Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. War is a terrible thing. It destroys lives, livelihoods, whole swathes of countryside are laid to waste, usually for no great ideal, and those who fight in it usually receive least benefit from the outcome. There are very few upsides to war. One very faint silver lining is that most wars tend to throw up personalities of the type you just don't see in peacetime. People who, for that short period, capture the imaginations of their countrymen for whatever reason. Maybe they're a particularly gifted sniper like Billy Singh, or an unmilitary yet successful leader like Pompey Elliott, or the quiet heroism of Weary Dunlop. Or it could be the notorious Australian souvenir king of World War I, John Barney Hines. Welcome to the Australian Military History Podcast, a podcast dedicated to Australian servicemen and women covering events, units and personalities from the Boer War through to the modern day. Welcome back everybody. It's good to be back after a long trip around Queensland, which I've got to say I thoroughly enjoyed. And as I hinted to in the last episode that Barra did delude me, I went all the way to the Gulf of Carpentaria, tropical waters, fishing mecca of the world, and I caught a catfish. A catfish. Anyway. Let's get on with this one. (sighs) Shortly after their arrival on the Western Front in 1916, Australian troops gained a reputation of being pretty adept at relieving German prisoners of their personal belongings. While a group of Aussies were busy ratting a German shortly after his capture, the Germans said, You Australians are strange soldiers. You steal even as you fight. So for one man in particular to rise above the general populace of souvenir hunters was no mean feat. But rise above is exactly what Barney Hines managed to do. Technically speaking, he was a POM. That's an English chappy for any non-Australians listening. But even more technically speaking, he was a German. Born Johann Heim in Liverpool in 1878 to German parents, he served in the British Army and the Royal Navy before turning up quite regularly in New Zealand's legal system. His first introduction to the magistrate was in 1906, where he pleaded guilty to threatening behaviour after having a bit of a blue with another bloke. At the hearing, Police Sub-Inspector Black said that Hines is one of the worst men in town. He was again in front of the judge in 1908, charged with theft, where he was sentenced to nine months at His Majesty's pleasure. He appeared again in 1909, charged with assault and obscene language, in 1910 with breaking and entering, and again in 1911, charged with theft and consorting with thieves. For the 1911 offences, Hines spent two years as a guest of the state. But apart from all that, he was a well-behaved young gentleman. Anyway, eventually, John Hines did what many New Zealanders of shady character have done. He jumped across the ditch and lobbed in Australia, arriving in August 1915, and almost immediately he joined the AIF, telling the recruiter he was 28 years old. Now, I'm the first to admit that I'm pretty bad when it comes to mathematical arts, but by my calculations, in 1915, Hines would have been in the region of 37. But there was a tradition of turning a blind eye to these things back then. One thing he couldn't hide, though, was a rather delicate medical condition, and by January 1916, the AIF said, thanks but no thanks, and he was discharged medically unfit. And by delicate medical condition, I mean the old grapes of wrath, the roids, or more accurately, hemorrhoids, a malady which would follow him throughout his service. No wonder his superiors thought he was a pain in the ass. But um, tish, 
Okay. Not to be denied, though, he re-enlisted in August 1916. By this stage, the AIF had gone through Gallipoli and the Battle of Poziers was in full swing and with all the horrors and casualties that created. Medical standards were lowered and Hines was on his way to France to join the 45th Battalion. Just as an interesting aside, on his enlistment medical record, it appears that Hines had a number of tattoos, one being a flower pot on his abdomen. I wonder how the German troops he would encounter would have felt knowing they were being looted by a bloke with a flower pot tattoo. Anyway, I digress. Hines finally made it to the Western Front in March 1917, and with barely enough time to get his bearings, he joined the battalion in the Battle of Messines in June. It seems he took to war like a duck to water. During the battle, he captured 60 Germans after storming a pillbox, throwing grenades inside to subdue the occupants. The records don't show if he helped himself to any of their possessions, but it's a fair bet he lightened their load to some degree. Shortly after, on 7th of June, he received a gunshot wound to the right shoulder and was evacuated to hospital for initial treatment, and then moved back further to the 24th General Hospital in Havre. The wound must not have been too serious, as on 13th of July he was charged with overstaying his leave pass, staying out on the town until 5am when he was supposed to be tucked up in bed by 9.30. His outing cost him five days pay. By 17th of July he was back with the battalion and in September he was heavily involved in the fighting at Polygon Wood. It was here that he began to develop his notoriety as the Souvenir King. The official Australian war photographer, Frank Hurley, took a photo of Hines with some of his takings. Hines is shown sitting outside a dugout wearing a German forage cap known as the Feldmutz. I assume that's how it's pronounced. Arrayed around him is a German steel helmet, a few belts of ammunition, stick grenades, a rifle, an artillery shell and all sorts of smaller personal equipment, all personally sequestered by the man himself. A rumour going around at the time the photo was published states that the Kaiser himself had seen the photo and had become so enraged he offered a substantial reward to any German soldier who killed Hines. It was just a furphy, but it was a good one, though. It was claimed that Hines killed more enemy soldiers than any other man in the AIF. Again, this is probably just another myth which sprang up around him. I'm pretty sure no one was keeping score of individual kills across the entire five divisions. Suffice to say, when John Hines went into battle, he was the sort of bloke you wanted on your side. In an interview with the 45th Battalion's commander, Arthur Allen, described Hines as a tower of strength to the battalion when he was in the line. Other officers describe him as being two pains in the neck. A quick flick through service record gives a good indication of why he might be described as such. Even before leaving Australia, he received his first charge in November 1916 with being absent. In January 1917, absent. And as previously stated, when he was wounded in June 1917, he was charged with being absent and making entries in his paybook. In September 1917, he was charged with being absent from parade. November 1917, absent again. April 1918, drunkenness and absent. There was even a claim that he was caught robbing a bank vault in Amiens in 1918, but this doesn't show up on his record. It seems that military authority never really succeeded in reining him in. In May of 1918, Heinz was wounded for the second time with what I interpret as a shrapnel wound to the scalp and an undetermined gas injury. He was transferred to the base hospital in Harfleur for treatment of the scalp wound with no further mention of the gas. Hines didn't know it at the time, but he'd seen the last of the front line. In July 1918, he was determined to be unfit for service, not because of the wound or the possible gas injury, but once again, for hemorrhoids. Post-war life wasn't kind to Hines. As commonly happens, those who make their reputation in war struggle when the war is over. Another example of a good soldier making a bad civilian. For 40 years after his return, 
He lived in a humpy on the outskirts of Sydney, suburb of Mount Druitt. His home, for lack of a better word, was made from cloth bags and whatever he could find to give it some structure. He built a fence around it, and here he displayed some of the German helmets he had souvenired from the war. He was unable to secure full-time work, but made ends meet by doing odd jobs and occasionally selling one of his precious souvenirs to supplement his army pension. The famous photo of him at Polygon Wood ensured that his name, if not the man himself, was kept in the public eye. In the Return Services League, Ravalli magazine, his less than favourable living conditions were shown and a few donations were sent his way and his pension was doubled. This turned out to be a bad thing though, as the increased income made him ineligible for relief work during the Depression, and so he was still basically confined to his little humpy. But always a walking contradiction, the rough and ready soldier of the battlefields, who the little kiddies of Mount Druitt were terrified of, regularly headed into the repatriation hospital to give away some of the fresh veggies from his garden to the soldiers being treated there. In 1939, with the German invasion of Poland, World War II kicked off and Heinz saw for himself an opportunity to get back to probably the only thing he was actually good at, apart from absconding, and that's fighting. In his 60s by this stage, he attempted to join the second AIF, but unsurprisingly he was rejected. On the 11th of February 1943, the Nepean Times ran an article under the heading, Souvenir King Veteran Still Wants to Fight. It went on to say, being unsuccessful in several attempts to join the second AIF, Barney Hines, now 64, stowed away on one of the boats of the first convoy. He was dragged before the now Major General Allen, his old 45th Battalion commander. Allen told him that this was a young man's war and Hines was shown the gangway before the ship sailed. John Barney Hines died on the 28th of January 1958 at the Concord Repatriation Hospital in his mid-80s and is buried in Rookwood Cemetery in an unmarked grave until 1971 when the Mount Druitt RSL sub-branch chipped in to purchase a headstone. In 2002, a monument was erected in his honour in the Mount Druitt Waterholes Remembrance Garden. So what kind of person was John Barney Hines? He was definitely a bit of a ratbag, but he marched to the beat of his own drum and certainly had a larrikin streak to him, which I find appealing. But on other occasions, I'm pretty sure I would have been sitting back, shaking my head, thinking, who the hell is this clown? He was the sort of bloke most commanders would love to have in their battalion, but at the same time, he'd have them ripping their hair out in frustration. He may not have been the type of person any army wanted, but without doubt he was the sort of person every army needs. Cheers, Barney. Hope you enjoyed that episode. If so, feel free to leave a comment on the website at australianmilitaryhistorypodcast.com or on Instagram under AMH Podcast or on Facebook. Also, apparently leaving a review on iTunes helps more people to find the podcast, so it'd be very much appreciated if you can head over to iTunes and leave a review and a comment so that more people can learn about the amazing history of Australia at Arms. And remember, if there's any aspect of our military history which you would like to hear about, drop me a line at amhp.media at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to the Australian Military History Podcast. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.